So I wonder how many enemies you have. Um, just put up a hand if you can think of any enemies that you have. Maybe any people who you don't like. Anyone know someone they don't like? I think most of us do. So um, I've called today's talk, Loving the Hard to Love, uh, cognizant that for some of us, we might have some people who unfortunately feel like they're enemies. And uh, for others of us, it might just be people who we find really annoying and hard to love. So we're in Luke chapter 6, and we're verses 27 to 38, if you're following along. And you're probably the other thing you might be thinking today, um, as you have heard the passage and as you prepare to think about what I'm going to say, you're probably thinking, are we really here again? Is this another sermon on us loving our enemies? Well, I'm afraid that yes, it is, um, because that's the way it rolls in the Anglican Church. The lectionary keeps bringing up this reading, and it happens in more than one gospel. So we're in Luke right now, and we get it. We would get it from Matthew as well. Um, to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse, curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, verse 28. So Jesus gives us the solution, the, the method by which we can love our enemies. We're not expected to love our enemies in a vacuum. We're expected to love our enemies because we have a God who first loved us. And Jesus gives us a method by which we can love our enemies, which is that we can pray for them. So that's the practical thing uh, we need to hear today, is that we can pray for our enemies, all those people who annoy us, who mistreat us, who curse us, who hate us. First of all, what kind of love are we talking about? Well, as you know, there's different kinds of love in the Greek, um, and this is not a, a romantic love, eros, that we're talking about here. This is agape, and even if you don't know Greek, you'd have heard the word probably agape or agape. Um, some say potato, some say potato, some say agape, some say agape. But either way, agape love is a love that comes from a place of loving because we want to love. And that is the kind of love that God does. God doesn't love in a romantic sense. God loves because in, in God's very being, he is love. God is love, and those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them, as it says in one of the letters of John, um, and is quoted at the wedding service. God is love. So God's character is love, and so we are asked to love in that same agape, that same way of love. It's a love that is intrinsic, that is in us, a love because we're created as beings who might love. And so that's the kind of love for our enemies. We're not supposed to send them Valentine's Day cards, although if you did, then bless you. But we're not meant to be sending them Valentine's Day cards or those mini Kit Kats with hearts on them uh, that you can write your name on. Um, we're meant to love them because God is love. So Jesus turns to physical violence in verse 29. If, if someone slaps you on one cheek, let them slap you on the other also. Uh, the translation for cheek isn't the best one. The Greek word actually means jawbone. So if somebody punches you on the jawbone, um, would be a better translation, then turn your, other, your face so they can punch you on the other jawbone. Um, I, I wonder, has anyone actually tried that? Have you been in a situation of a confrontation where somebody punches you on the jawbone and you say, it's all right, you can punch me on the other one now. 
Now, it sounds a bit extreme, and I'm sure that in reality, um, that isn't what would happen. And it's not what we teach people, is it? It's not what we teach our kids. Um, we, We teach them to defend themselves. We don't say, if someone hits you, let them hit you back. We say, run, if you can, get away from them, and if you need to, defend yourself. That's not what Jesus is saying. And as you hear this reading, I think we can easily switch off and think that, you know, it sounds very poetic and beautiful, but it's not actually um, that helpful because we know that if we let people hit us and say, you're going to keep on hitting us, we think, well, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, and we'll end up beaten up and in emergency every other week. Well, I mean, of course, hopefully you're not hated by that many people, so (laughs) this wouldn't be happening all the time. But it is difficult to hear. It is difficult to hear. And Jesus goes on, if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. I think there's someone trying to get into church at the back. Um, If Jesus takes uh, your your coat, uh, your... I'm distracted now, sorry. (laughs) Someone takes your coat, not Jesus. Do not withhold your shirt from them. So um, we have our church set at a a nice warm temperature of about 19 degrees. Uh, So most of us don't wear a coat in the church. And I I didn't want to put on a a coat for the illustration because uh, playing the guitar up here, it gets quite warm. Um, But uh, what you have to imagine is that what people wore was an outer coat. And then rather like I've got today, a a shirt and a t-shirt. I've worn this specifically um, to help make the point. Um, so what, what it says is, if someone wants your coat, give them your shirt as well. So you're not giving them everything. If I gave someone my coat and I gave someone my shirt, I would still have a t-shirt on. To which everyone said, good. Um, so we're asked to give beyond what people ask, but not so much that we have nothing left for ourselves. Does that make sense? We're asked to give beyond what people ask us, but not so much we have nothing left for ourselves. Because clearly, I mean, can you imagine the scenario if someone said they like something and that would mean you, you would feel you needed to give it to them? You'd come to church at Easter wearing your favorite hat, if you wear a hat at church at Easter, and someone would say, I love your hat. Well, would you like it? Sure. And the next week you come back and you've got your favorite jacket on. I like your jacket. Well, would you like it? And before very long, you'd have nothing left in your wardrobe because you'd have given everything away. Because Jesus says, if someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. So I need to keep giving away and giving away and giving away. There is a continuum here, isn't there? Where at the one hand, we have absolutely nothing left. And at the other hand, um, we give nothing away. Like most things in the life of faith, we're to be somewhere on the continuum, and we can always move a sidestep closer to what Jesus is calling us to do. But we're meant to take the spirit of what's being said and not necessarily taking it absolutely literally. Otherwise, we'd have beaten up jaws and we'd all be wearing T-shirts because we've given away our coats and our shirts. my challenge for you today is to work out where are you on that continuum? What is the area of your life where you find it really hard and where you need to take a slight sidestep 
towards what Jesus is saying. If you love those who love you, verse 32, what credit is that to you? You know, it's, um, it's very easy to love the people who love us, to love in response to someone's love for us. We see that, don't we, at Christmas, when we have normally an arrangement. We have an arrangement. It sounds really boring when I say it like that, but we have an arrangement with people about whether we're going to give or receive Christmas gifts in our families, don't we? And uh, I remember one year when um, we, we had an arrangement that adults wouldn't give presents to adults, and then one particular adult decided to give presents. And then everyone felt really bad because we thought we weren't doing presents, and now you're giving us presents. Um, so we have these kind of arrangements. That isn't love. That's just an arrangement. It's just a list of who's buying gifts for who in the family. The love Jesus is talking about is the love that says, I'm going to give without expecting anything in return. When you give your coat away to a homeless person or to an organization that takes them out to homeless people, if you don't want to go do it yourself, they're not going to repay you, and they can't. And that's the kind of love that we might be inspired to do as we read this passage. Picked up from what Roxanne said last week about sometimes there's things we need to do um, that we are doing, and sometimes it's that radical shift because what more can we do? If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Picture the scene, you're driving along, and there's two lanes and they're merging into one. I feel like I use this illustration a lot, but maybe I just drive a lot. And uh, there's two lanes, they're merging into one, and uh, your friend is actually driving next to you, and you recognize their car, because they're the only person with a red car of that kind. You think, oh, yeah, I know them. And so when you get to the end, because you know them, uh, you let them in front of you. you. You hold back a bit, take your foot off the, off the gas, it's possible, turn off the cruise control, and you let them in in front of you. Isn't that nice? But then the next day, you're driving in the same place, and there's a different car, and it's not your friend, and you don't know who they are, but they've got a bumper sticker, and you don't like what it says. It's quite rude. And to be honest, they shouldn't be driving around with that on the back of their car. And now they're trying to push in in front of you, and you can feel that anger boiling inside you as they try and push in. And really, it's your right of way. It's not theirs. And so you do your best to stop them getting in in front of you. But they are absolutely determined that they're getting in. And they manage to pull in, and you slam on the brakes, and the crash is averted. And inside, you feel an anger a righteous anger because of that bumper sticker that you didn't like. It's easy to love the first person because you knew them. Hi. In you go. And yet the second person, who you didn't know and they kind of wound you up, in that moment, they're your enemy. How is it that we can be kind to those people too? As I said at the start, Jesus tells us, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And so what you can do is you can pray. You can pray for them. 
when you drive, praying always with your eyes open. Um, stating the obvious, but it's good to remind people you can pray with your eyes open. So as you're driving, maybe you pray for them. What happens when we pray for the people who we feel are our enemies or that we don't like or that have wound us up or have cut in front of us? What happens is nothing to them, but it's all about us. Because we enter that communication between us and God, that vertical communication, and as we do that, prayer changes us. Our heart is changed. Our hard hearts are softened as we pray for those people who wind us up and annoy us. This is one of those sermons that is easy to preach but hard to do. It's one of those passages that's easy to read but hard to follow. And sometimes it's in the small things that we can practice because as we practice in the small things, it helps us when we have to deal with the bigger things. And so that's why I mentioned driving, because most of us do it, and Maple Ridge has an awful lot of um, two lanes that merge into one, um, often when you're least expecting it. And so perhaps, um, perhaps that works for you. But if you're not a driver, maybe, maybe what you're thinking of is the time when you're at the grocery store and someone beats you to the checkout. And then they're one of those really annoying people with coupons. You know the ones? Normally it's me, I confess. But it's the person in front of you with the coupons and you think, if I was just... Um, I, I, was, I was able to go to a coffee shop the other day. Um, I'm trying to avoid going to coffee shops lately and making coffee at home, but I did go to a coffee shop and they had a promotion uh, where if you um, went in uh, breakfast time, which ran till 10 o'clock, um, then you would get um, a coffee and a muffin as part of a deal. Um, maybe you too would be swayed by such a promotion. And so there I am walking in, and somebody, um, I'm quite a fast walker, but somebody beat me to get in front. And it was two people, and they were very slow, and they took a long time to make their mind up. And you know where this is going, don't you? And so... <laughs> So in the end, they made up their mind, they decided what they wanted, um, obviously um, face mask, screen, member of staff with face mask on, there's, there's quite a, it takes a long time, you have to say what you want seven times in order to make sure you've all communicated it properly. And so then it's my turn, and I said, I said um, I'd like a coffee and a muffin, please. Oh, we stopped doing that at 10 o'clock. And I'm thinking, surely it's not, what time is it now? And, and pointed, said, look at the clock there. It was 10.03. If that person hadn't got just in front of me, I would have been able to order my coffee and muffin, and it would have gone through, and now I've got to pay an extra $2 uh, <laughs> on the thing. Enemies aren't necessarily the people that we think of. It's the situations that we encounter in our ordinary life, and we get the chance to practice the grace and the love that Jesus teaches us. Now, uh, should I tell you what happened? They, they, um, they, said, uh, they said, well, we, we can't do it because the, it's up to the computer, and it's automatic in the computer. So, uh, so they put in coffee and the muffin, and, uh, and it turned out the computer had some grace, and it let me get the coffee and the muffin, even though by the time it actually went through, it was five past ten. So all was well. All was well. Um, and it was a nice muffin. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Apple strudel, my favorite. Um, anyhow.
But these are the times when we get the chance to practice loving those people who wind us up, loving the hard to love, so that in the times in life when things are hard, uh, when we have to deal with the people who we really struggle with, we've got used to uh, what it's like to love people even when it's hard. The final thing Jesus says is about lending. He says, if you lend from those to whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? I wonder if you've ever lent someone a book and, um, and they didn't give it back to you. Just raise a hand. Um, I, about 10 years ago, I gave up ever expecting books back. And so I know I've lent a number of you books in the congregation over the years, and um, some of you are looking at me now going, oh, yeah, um, and you haven't given them back. And that's fine, because I, I, uh, I never lend a book expecting it back. I lend it thinking, great, I've got some space on the shelf now. Um, and, um, and I just buy another one. Uh, one book I think I bought five times, because I've, I always forget who I lend it to. And I, I, know, I, know I, I knew I had that book, but then I'll just buy it again and give it to someone else. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? It says in verse 34. Loving everyone means lending sometimes without expecting to get anything back. And if we get it back, it's a bonus. So in the midst of all these things, I'll come into land, we have to work out where we are on the continuum. Jesus says, if someone hits you, you let them hit you back on the other cheek. That doesn't make sense to the way we see the world, many of us. And as we look at tensions on a bigger scale, I've kept it personal today, but if we looked at tensions on a bigger scale with Russia and Ukraine and, um, and other parts of the world where there is conflict, what does this look like in those situations? We can see that... Um, one of the greatest problems is the human heart. And we have a heart problem. And as that's multiplied out into nations and armies, then we have big problems. How can we, in our own way, be people who love those who are hard to love? How can we take one step towards what Jesus is saying, that when someone asks for something, we give it. When someone hurts us, we say, you can hurt me again. The best example I can think of this, and this is a weird one, but I'll finish with this because everyone loves a story, um, is, uh, is the, the canon missioner at Birmingham Cathedral uh, when I was in Birmingham. And uh, we, we did kind of mission conversation things and so on, and, and he was kind of practicing different stuff. So there was a square outside the cathedral, which was called, unsurprisingly, Cathedral Square, and he decided that on, on one day a week in the summer, uh, when it wasn't raining, um, when it rained a lot, so he had to pick his week, but he, he decided to set up um, a gazebo with, with a table and some candies, and that people would be able to come by and, uh, and chat with the canon missioner. Um, the canon missioner is basically a priest at a cathedral whose job it is to do mission. 
um, if you're not familiar with the term canon missioner, which I don't know why you would be familiar with the term canon missioner. It's not a common term, but anyway. So he's there, and he's sitting outside the cathedral, and he's, and he's got his, his dog collar on and his black shirt, and looking every inch the Anglican priest, and, uh, and he's got his bowl of, of candies. And, um, and he said there was a, a crowd of, um, of young people that came along and decided they were going to start stealing all of the candies. And so they came and they kind of grabbed them and ran off. And he, he, said, to, he said to us, to retelling the story, he said, and I shouted at them, take as many as you like because there's loads more where that came from. Because he had a little bowl on the table, but underneath the table, he'd got a box with thousands of candies in, uh, the wrapped kind, you know, boiled sweets that he would just put in the box. And you can take as many as you want, because I'll just keep putting in more. What would that be like to them? They feel they've, they feel they've done something, they feel they've cheated the, the, the system, they've stolen something, they've got away with it. And what he says to them is, hey, come and take some more. I've got loads more where that came from. That is love that never runs out. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you help us as we think about what it means to love our enemies, those who are hard to love, as we look at our hearts and as we discern uh, what you would have us um, do in our own lives, as we look at the world, as we see people that wind us up on a daily basis, as we're out and about. Lord, would you help us to be people who are full of grace and who learn how to grow in love, even for those we find it hardest to love. In Jesus' name, amen.